0: We'll be in Nehemiah chapter one this morning. Nehemiah chapter one. <coughs> Excuse me. It's good to see everybody here. We do have some visiting family with us today, so make sure you take an opportunity to get to meet them when service is done. Please wait till after the service is over, but uh, um, appreciate that. And uh, good to see everybody today. And just it's still, and I hope I never get over this feeling, but just pulling in. This morning, just overwhelmed by God's goodness to our church and, and excited about the days ahead <clears throat> for our church and, and uh, just continue to be just in awe of God's provision for us. And it's funny, we look at the world today, I, I have to purposefully not look sometimes just to not be discouraged, but uh, there is a lot of uncertainty in the world today. And the one thing that is stable in all of life's uncertainty is god and i was praying about which direction to go um i'd kind of finished up preaching on the things that i wanted to as we moved into the new building and and i was kind of through all of that and so praying which direction to go and and uh, settled on nehemiah and we're going to look through the book of nehemiah over the next several weeks and um and i want us to learn some things for some it might be a familiar a uh, passage of Scripture, familiar book of, of the Bible that you maybe you've read and studied and heard sermons on before. I think there's obviously in, in, in every passage of Scripture, there's things we can learn. But, and what's going on today, as Christians, we would all say we want to see revival in America. As Christians, we would all say the answer is God. And uh, we, we, we claim that, but we don't always live that. There's a difference between knowing it to be true and then putting it into action. And I think in Nehemiah's case, we see not only the belief that God can, but and the dependence on God to do, but also the action and the work put in necessary um, to have God use us. And so today we'll start with Nehemiah chapter 1. And let's read It's a short chapter. So I'll read it for us today, starting in verse number 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of uh, he- He-Kai- He-Kai- Hekaliah, I gotta practice those more. And it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped and were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments." Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eye open, that thou mayest hear of the, the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servant, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I pray thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me, and keep my commandment, and do them, though they were of of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them into the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by the great power, and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer. bearer. We'll look at these verses this morning. Let's ask for the Lord's help. God, we do thank you for allowing us to come this morning and have an opportunity to sit and hear your word. And God, today I pray that you would take out all of my opinions. Lord, that you would take away out all of of my thoughts. And Lord, that you would use me just as a vessel to speak your word today. God, I pray that you would help us to understand that you are in control of every situation. God, I pray that you would help us to understand the needed action that we must take. And God, I pray that today as we read this passage of Scripture, as we look at these verses, as we look at this instance in history that, God, it will motivate us, it will encourage us, it will challenge us to do more for you in the days ahead, to do more for our country than what we've done in the past. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to present these verses clearly and correctly, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we see in Nehemiah chapter 1, I've titled this message, See the Need, Take the Lead. Uh, When I was in charge of a group of high school young men, Uh, in at the camp that I worked at we uh, I oftentimes would teach them every summer I would teach them this this little thought see the need take the lead do you see something that needs to be done if you do then do it go ahead and take care of it don't overlook it we did the old trick where you throw a rag in the middle of the floor of the kitchen and watch how many of the guys would walk over the rag and which person would stop and pick up the rag and put it where it belonged And it was just a simple test, and I did it nearly every summer at some point throughout the summer just to see who would see that there's a rag in the middle of the floor, something so simple. And even in the the busyness of the meal service would stop, pick up the rag, throw it in the dirty rags. Um, One time someone picked it up, put it back in the clean rags, but uh, uh, I appreciated the effort nonetheless. But that thought of, see the need, take the lead. Why wait for someone else to do something that you see needs to be done? Why expect for other people to do what you're not willing to do yourself? And I think Nehemiah is a great example of this thought of seeing a need and then taking action, taking the lead on the need that he saw. And so those are our two points this morning. See the need and take the lead. Number one, see the need. The book of Nehemiah is not written to America. I want to make sure that we don't confuse it. Uh, The church of Nehemiah is written and it talks about Israel and the nation of Israel. The promises that God made with Israel. But having said all of that, we do understand that God also tells us throughout Scripture that if we obey Him and if we follow Him, He will lead us in the right direction. He will take us to the places that He wants us to be and He will take care of us not only along the way but as we arrive as well. And here we see a need that was saw or seen. I'm not sure the correct grammar on that. Verse number 2, it says, Hananiah and one of the brethren came, he and certain men of Judah, and Nehemiah asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, that were left of the captivity. So they were not in Babylon. They were back in Jerusalem. And so he asked them about them and the things concerning Jerusalem. And they shared with Nehemiah... The need that was there. The remnant that are left in verse number 5, it says they are in great affliction and reproach. And the walls of the city of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned. So there is little protection left for those that are there. And they are under a great reproach. They are under great affliction. It's interesting when we're talking about a need, because in America today we would say we see a need. I would hope so. If you don't see it, then then you're blind. There's a great need in America today. Uh, One of the greatest needs, we know the greatest need is God. One of the greatest needs that we're dealing with in America today is truth. We just need someone to tell the truth. Uh, We are so caught up on our opinions. If you remember uh, when talking about Noah... Um, God talks about the fact that everyone was doing right in their own eyes. They were doing as they saw fit to do. And throughout scriptures, we see that in different parts of history where everyone was just doing whatever they wanted to do. And in today's time, we're seeing the same thing. It's true today as it was back then where people are just, they're doing whatever they want. And they're saying whatever they want to say that will match what they want it to accomplish. And it's happening in, in every side of America. It's not a one-sided issue. It's, it's, it's double-sided or triple-sided or quadruple-sided, however many sides there are. We're having a problem with people just not telling the truth. And so we come across this area, and I, it's one of the areas where I could say, if you see a need for truth, then share truth. And We struggle sometimes because we see something and it finally fits our narrative. And so before finding out if it's actually true or not, we just start telling people about it. And that's going to be harm to our ultimate um, goal of sharing the gospel if we're not telling the truth uh, in other areas of life. People are going to see your bias. They're going to see your, uh, uh, your agenda by your lies. It's the easiest way to tell someone's agenda is by their lies. And so we see that in America today, it's a great need that we have is truth. Another great need that we have is peace. Peace is one that that I desperately desire to have in our country. There are enough people in this world that don't like us as Americans that it's important that as Americans we like each other. We treat each other respectfully and peacefully. And again, it can be through physical uh, unrest. It can be through emotional uh, violence uh, or, or that attacking mentality. But we need some peace. But like I said, the greatest need that we have in America today is God. God is the one, the only one, that can make things better, lasting better. Someone might be able to come in and help bring instant peace, but not lasting peace. And we see that God is the answer, but when we look at the needs in America today, I have to ask the question, are you concerned? Not just are you concerned for yourself and for your family and the well-being of them, because I am concerned about that. But are you concerned about the, the lack of God in our country? Are you concerned about the, the mentality that our, much of our country seems to have? That it doesn't matter what's right, it doesn't matter what's moral, it just matters whatever we want to do, you need to be okay with it, and you need to get on board with it. You see, here there was a need in Jerusalem. And as they shared the need with it, we see concern in Nehemiah. He was concerned enough, number one, to ask. He asked. These men came and he said, Can you tell me what's going on with the remnant, with those that have escaped, with those that are still in Jerusalem? How are things going there? You know, it's important that we ask questions. Sometimes we we think that it's wrong to ask questions. It's not wrong to ask questions. There are things in the Bible that sometimes we go, I don't understand that. Well, ask. Study for yourself. Ask the Lord to help you. And ask someone else to help you. There have been times where I've met people and they've said, well, I've always been told this and I've always been told that. But I'm reading my Bible and it seems to contradict what I've been told. I said, well, did you ever ask your pastor about it? Well, no, no. <laughs> He's smarter than me. Well, you might be surprised. You guys aren't, but you might be surprised. Maybe your pastor isn't smarter than you. You know, we have to ask questions. In order for us to be concerned about our country, we have to ask questions. I've learned a lot over the last three years about our country that honestly, I think I was just willfully ignorant about. I said, well, me and my family, we're not that way, so I'm sure it's just being overblown. Well, then I started asking questions. We had Brother Adrian in to preach for us a few years ago, and he preached our, our, our week of revival for us. And, and uh, I, I asked Brother Adrian over dinner some of the things. I said, what have you dealt with specifically in church that, um, that maybe I would not be aware of or maybe that I, you would think that I would just kind of overlook? And he started talking about the things that his dad went through as an African-American in North Carolina, and in the church, this is not just in the community. This is in the church. Things that were said to their family. Brother Jeremy came and preached for us not uh, uh, back last February, and uh, we were talking about the topic of racism within the church. And 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 Brother Jeremy shared a story about, and I think he shared it maybe uh, it was maybe at the pastors' conference, but he shared uh, about a pastor that he served under, and things that he said about kids that they didn't want to come to the church on the bus. And I thought that, I mean, that was, you know, now, what, 25, 26, 30 years ago. And, but I'm sitting there thinking, but, but that's the church. That's not supposed to be happening in the church. The church is supposed to be the, if I can use the, the popular phrase, a safe space. The church is supposed to be a place where people come and they experience the love of Christ. But it wasn't until I started asking questions. Hey, the world's telling me this is a problem. I never saw it in my family. I never saw it in the churches that I've been in. But when I started asking questions, I realized, hey, this is actually a a real issue within the church today. We think about problems within the church or things within the church and and we get concerned. I hope that you do. If you see things in the church that don't seem to be right, we talk about our, our local church but in other churches across the world. And You start seeing different things going certain directions, and you say, well, wait a second. Ask questions. If you're concerned, you're going to ask questions about it. You can't assume things. You can't just uh, figure because you're not a certain way that everybody else is not a certain way either. If you start asking questions, start asking questions in the community. I ask people, co-workers, I ask people that I meet and have conversations with different things about what they think of church how they view church, how they view their church, how they view church as a whole, if they think anything about our church without ever being there, things like that, it's good to ask the questions. What about in your family? Things go on within the family sometimes, and we begin to get concerned about it, whether it be within a marriage relationship, whether it be within a parent-to-child relationship, whether it be siblings, whatever it may be, and and we start to see some concern, and so oftentimes we just say, "Well, it'll pass. It'll get OK with time. It'll be fine. I'll just ignore it and hope that it goes away. Ask questions. We' talk about relationships. Conversation or communication is so important and so crucial. Sometimes as married couples, we get to the point where we kind of ignore the problems. Because we're afraid of the communication that's going to follow, the confrontation that may follow. But it's not going to get fixed if we ignore it. If there's concern, we ask questions about it. We see our kids do certain things, act certain ways. My first reaction when my kids do something they're not supposed to do is not to get upset, but to get authoritative. Why are you doing that? But I don't give them a chance to answer. Do it this way. Stop doing that. You know, and there's time for that, but there's also a time where we have to, when we see a a concern with our children, we need to have a conversation. Hey, really, why are you doing that? Why have you started doing that? Why have you been acting like this? Why have you been talking like this? Those sorts of things. And some of it you may know already, just as a parent, but there are other things that we have to understand. If we're concerned about it, we need to ask the questions. Nehemiah was concerned about Jerusalem and the people that were there, so he asked, Get others' thoughts on it. We're often unaware of reality. I learned this through working in the ministry at the camp. I grew up at the camp. I spent 26 years there. My parents worked there. And so I saw everything from the inside out about the camp. People would say, well, I don't like this about the camp, and I'd get defensive about it. No, no, you don't understand. Well, all of a sudden, I left the camp, and I was on the outside looking in as a pastor taking kids there for the summer, and I saw things. So I went and I talked with the staff and just let them know, hey, you know, from this side of the things, this would be more helpful if we, if you did it this way. It was just a different perspective. Now listen, God's perspective is the ultimate perspective we need to care about. I'm not saying that we listen to everyone else's opinion because everyone's got one, and sometimes their opinion doesn't match up with God's opinion. But when you're looking at things and you're seeing things, it doesn't hurt to ask and, and see what some other people, are thinking i enjoy asking people who visit our church hey what did you like what did you dislike i've talked with people who uh guest speakers who come in and preach for us evangelists and missionaries and i'll ask them hey i'll ask about the place we put them in hey would you continue to put people there was it okay was it nice enough was it was it something that you'd go boy uh you know i want to be nice so i'm not going to say anything but then the next person comes and they're going to be nice and not say anything either so if it's something that we need to change let us know Hey, what did you think about our people? Were they kind? Were they nice? Uh, what did you think about different things? And just to hear opinions and thoughts. You know, when I look back at our country and see the problems in our country today, and, and sometimes I am unaware of reality because I've never talked to someone who thinks differently than I do. Now, I'm not asking you to change your, your convictions or your standards or anything like that. But I have learned that when I ask people who think differently than me, I do learn some things. At the very least, I learn how they see it. At the very least, I learn how they view me and how I share my opinions. And it's helpful. Our theme this year is to love our neighbor. We can't love them if we don't ever listen to them. And again, that doesn't mean that we do what they say. It doesn't mean that that when they say, well, um, I don't like your church because your pastor wears a suit and tie. Now, I've never heard that before. It's just an example. I don't like your church because your pastor wears a suit and tie. Well, it doesn't mean that we go pastor, you can't wear a suit and tie anymore. Now listen, suit and tie, is, you're going to find it in the Bible. Uh, but I do believe that it's important, and I've always took the view of, hey, well, if I'm going to wear a suit and tie to a funeral, and if I'm going to wear a suit and tie to meet important people, I'm going to wear a suit and tie to, to go to church. And I don't wear a Wednesday nights. So most of the time I'm in a polo. It's, it's not like it's, it's a dead fast, you've got to wear a suit and tie. And I've never, never told anyone here or in Indiana the church I pastored what they should wear to church i don't want to get off on a rabbit trail here but it's good to know what people are thinking it's good to know why they they and most of the time their first the first words aren't aren't the true issue Um, because we've had people leave the church before right and you ask them hey you know why'd you leave and they'll tell you something and if you keep asking you'll learn a much deeper issue than, than the reason they gave you originally But it it helps us to get others' thoughts, to know what they're thinking. I've always said, um, when it comes to the version of the Bible, when we use the King James Version, and for me, I always grew up with it, and it was always what I was told what you're supposed to use, but I'd never done any real thought on it. And as I pastored in Indiana, all of my friends from college were switching to different versions, and so I reached out and had a few conversations with a couple of them. Hey, why are you changing? Why are you doing this? Just to kind of figure out why every single one of them, by the way, read a book and, and followed that guy in that direction. Uh, that's why I don't read books. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, all of them did that. And I remember sitting there and I began to study it. had books and I began to study the books. And I stopped and I said, uh, I realized... If you wanted to study it, you're not going to find an unbiased opinion on the issue. You're either going to find a pro-King James person or an anti-King James person. And, and so whatever you read from both of those, for me it's just too much work to puzzle it together. So I closed the book that I was reading. I stuck it on the shelf and I began to pray. I said, Lord, I've never asked you what Bible version you want me to use. I've always been taught this way, but in recent years I've heard other opinions on different things. Well, Lord, I realize I've never asked you. And three days I prayed, not continuously for three days, but three days I took time to pray on the matter. And the Lord gave me perfect peace and led me perfectly to stick with what I was using, the King James Version of the Bible. Now, you can argue, and there is ways to argue why you should. There's, You go into the text, and you go into different things. I don't do that. I don't have that conversation with people. Anytime that someone wants to argue with me about versions of the Bible, I tell them, hey, I've prayed about it, and I know what God wants me to use. So for me in my house, and as the pastor of the church, my church... It's God's church, but the church that I pastor, we're going to use this because it's what God's told me to use. And that's as simple as an argument, honestly, that you can have. If you know what you're doing is because God wants you to do it, that's the end of the story. But you know something that has been helpful to me is to read others' opinions. Now, I don't spend a lot of time, all, most of you know I don't like to read, but, uh, so that helps me in this matter. But uh, I don't spend a lot of time studying out other religions. I don't spend a lot of time studying out others' uh, opinions on different convictions or standards that I have. I, I don't do that because for me, it's, I've made it a matter of prayer, and it's just that simple for me. But I do ask someone who thinks differently than me. In, in all the jobs that I've worked, I've asked people, What do you think about heaven? What do you think about hell? What do you think about going to church? What do you think about reading your Bible? What do you think about this and that and different issues? And I hear what they say and it helps me because then I take it to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, how can I, if I'm right, Lord, how can I help them see what the Bible teaches about it? If I'm wrong, Lord, help me to change. And we go through these things, but it's a matter of there's a need that is there. Your co-workers... There is great need with your code workers. They need Jesus. Many of them are unsaved. Many of them, if they were to die today, they would go to hell. They need to know about heaven. They need to know about the gospel. They need to know that Jesus Christ came and died for their sins. They need to know that that they're headed to hell right now, but there is a gift that God gave them, Jesus Christ. And if they accept that gift, then they can go to heaven. They need to know about that. There are also Christians in your workplace that don't follow God. They don't obey God. They don't listen to God. They don't read their Bibles. They don't go to church. Uh, They don't try to live for God. They might try to live a good life, but they don't try to live a godly life. They need someone to come along inside of them and say, Hey, I've been there. If you have, don't lie about it. I've been there. Hey, I, I know what you're going through. I know it's hard. I know it's not simple. I know it's not easy. But hey, what can I do to help? How can I encourage you? Here's what I read in my Bible this morning. Good reason to do your devotions, other than the fact that God tells you to study His Word, is that when you can have a conversation with another Christian who's struggling and reading the Bible, you can say, this is what I read this morning. Here's what I'm going to read tomorrow. Why don't you read it also, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. I've talked with co-workers that I would have not thought they know anything about Jesus by the way that they live. And after a conversation, I realized not only do they know about Jesus, they grew up faithfully in church. Their parents had them faithfully in church. And they've learned, um, they've learned things. They know a lot of things about the Bible. They just haven't applied it to their life. And they've not had a whole lot of people who've encouraged them to do so. Church can sadly be a very judgmental place. We've strived and worked very hard to make sure our church is not that way. But I've talked to people who said, you know what, I, I had a conversation with a coworker one time, and he asked me a question, and I answered the question. And he said, thank you for answering. He said, when I ask people at my mom's church, they never answer the question. They change the topic and talk about a different subject. And they try to make me feel bad about not agreeing with them, and things like that. People want to know, people want to understand but oftentimes we jump to conclusions or we decide to take it a different direction. So if you see the need, be concerned about it. Get thoughts, ask questions. Be compassionate about it. Verse number four, And it came to pass when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. If you see a problem in our country or if you see a problem in the church or if you see a problem in your family, do you care about those problems? Are you compassionate to those that are going through those problems. He wept, he mourned, and it says certain days. It wasn't just a five-minute cry session. He was truly compassionate about the people, about the people in Israel, about the people in Jerusalem, about God's children, about his fellow countrymen and the situation they were going through. He was truly compassionate about it. I'll tell you what, there are two things That we know that God ordained. He ordained the church. He established the church. He also ordained the family and established the family. Those are two things we should be compassionate and passionate about. If our family is going through struggles um, that are taking us away from God, we should care deeply about that. If our church is making changes that are taking us deeply away from God, we should be concerned about that. We should have compassion and be passionate about it. We should weep, we should mourn, and we should pray about it. We should care. So many people see a need, but they honestly just don't care enough to do anything about it. Nehemiah did. He saw the need. Number two, he took the lead. Look in verse number five. As it says there in verse number five, well, let's look in verse number four, actually, the end of the verse... Not only did he weep uh, and mourn, he fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He had an audience of one. He went to God, the person or the thing, I don't like saying thing, the God who can do something about it. In today's time, a Christian sees a need, they get passionate about it. And what do they do? They go to social media and post all their thoughts and opinions about it. I would dare say that upwards of 85-90% of people who see a problem in the world, they'll go to Facebook weeks before they'll go to God. I've struggled with how much should I share my thoughts and opinions in social media. I've cut way back on that. Because at the end of the day, my opinion on Twitter is not going to change more than likely anyone's mind. My great statement on Facebook, eloquently put, is not going to change anyone's mind. But my prayers, my giving it to God, my asking God to help me make a difference, my asking God to make a difference in our country, in our world, in our church, in our family, that can make a difference. And here Nehemiah, he didn't go... And, and immediately to the king. He didn't go immediately running to his friends. He didn't go immediately running back to Jerusalem. He stopped and he prayed. Do you believe God needs a certain president to fix our country? Do you believe that God needs a certain number of people in our church to use our church in the community? Do you think that God needs a certain amount of money to solve your problems at home? God does not need anything. But he does ask that you ask. He doesn't need a person, a politician, to fix our country. I dare to argue that actually the, the worse the president, the better the Christian. The worst political uh, things going on, the better the Christian because it forces us into prayer. It forces us into dependence on God. We always want to see more people in church, but God doesn't need a large church in order to impact the world. He needs faithful Christians praying together, studying, depending on Him to make a difference. God doesn't need finances. He's got everything that He needs to solve your problems. Oftentimes, and money is a major issue when you're looking at divorce, when you're looking at um, just stress in the home and things like that. Finances is one of the top uh, um, issues that people bring up when they're talking about these problems that they're having. And oftentimes we go, well, we just need a little more. We just need a little more. If we just had this amount, then we could. this would take away all the stress that we have. <laughs> You've heard the, the phrase, more money, more problems. In ministry, I've always heard more people, more problems. At the end of the day, there's going to be problems. The question is, how are you taking care of it? When you see a need, the first action you should take is prayer. Take your concern, use your compassion, and talk to the one who can do something about it. I promise you, the people on Facebook won't miss your opinions. But you can see true action, you can see true difference being made if you just go to God with it. In verse number 5 we see as so Nehemiah opens his prayer and he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Daniel, and Daniel chapter 9, verse number 4, opens a prayer nearly identical to this verse. Daniel's one of the ones we always look to when we're talking about prayer. His faithfulness in prayer, his boldness in prayer, God's answers to his prayer. We see that Nehemiah came to God. He understood who God was the great and terrible God. Terrible is not the same terrible that we use. That's terrible. Uh, that's not what he's talking about. But the, he's strong, he's mighty, he's powerful. He keeps His covenant and mercy and listen to Him for them that love Him and observe His commandments. And we've talked about this many times, but in today's world, people are going, why isn't God doing something? Well, it's because you haven't loved Him and you haven't kept His commandments. It's because you're not a good child. God's not going to reward your disobedience. Nehemiah understood that. He had no excuses. He goes on and says, Let thy ear now be attentive and thine eye open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house of sin we have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. There's no excuses in this prayer. Nehemiah said, we're sinful. We're wicked. You told us, he goes on in verse 8, you told us that if we sinned, if we didn't obey, that you were going to scatter us. Lord, we sinned. God, we've done wrong. God, we've lost priorities. God, we've, we've went away from you. No excuses. There's no passing of guilt. Nehemiah doesn't go, Lord, I've been obedient, but these filthy, rotten sinners haven't. That's not the way Nehemiah looks at it. Lord, I've sinned and my father's house has sinned. We have all sinned. But one of the things I see the most out of Nehemiah chapter 1 is that Nehemiah was ready for action and not just words. He was seeking God's help for the action that he was about to take. Look in verse 11. He says, Lord, I beseech thee, Let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee. Thy servant this day, grant him mercy. He's talking about Nehemiah himself. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah was about to go to the king. We'll look at it next week. He's about to make a request to the king that he wasn't sure the king would be okay with. But before Nehemiah went to the king, he prayed and he asked God, God, not only do I care about my people, not only do I care about my country, not only do I care about the turmoil that is there, God, I'm going to do something about it. And with your help, Lord, I can do this. Lord, I'm about to go meet with the king, and I need favor in the king's eyes. God, please grant that to me. Sometimes we say, well, I'm going to go shout at the governor or at the mayor or at the president or at somebody. I'm going to go let my voice be heard. (laughs) In most cases, they never see it or hear it. I'm going to write this sternly written letter. Go for it, but would you pray about it first? You see, and we know this, but change doesn't come at the top. Change doesn't come from the president, it doesn't come from the governor, it doesn't come from the mayor. It comes from the community. It comes from the people that that are living. The majority of people are not in office in the political world. They're just neighbors. They're just co-workers. Instead of standing on one side of the street yelling at the other side of the street, maybe we should show a little love a little compassion. But in order to do that, we have to start off by going to God, saying, God, I need your help. I want to make a difference in my community. I want to make a difference in my workplace. I want to make a difference in my church. I want to make a difference in my family, but God, I can't do it without your help. God, I'm about to have a very uncomfortable conversation. I need your help. Help me to say things correctly. Help me to handle the response correctly. Some have had to go through some difficult things at work where they had to go talk to a, a boss about an issue that they knew the boss wasn't going to be pleased about. We go to God. Say, God, I need your help. Lord, I know you can get me a different job, but I'd kind of like to keep the one I got. Can you help me not get fired? Show me some favor. or just help me have this conversation. Lord, I... Me and my spouse need to have a conversation. I don't know how it's going to go. Lord, I need your help. God, as a parent, I, I need to have this conversation with my child, and I don't know how to do it. I see their heart going in a direction that just it really scares me. God, I, I want you to hold their heart. I want you to keep their heart. I want you to, to help them love you. God, help me to parent correctly. Help me to have a wise conversation. I'm thankful for our church, and I'm so thankful for your spirit and how you respond. You know, we don't have a church that's run by one person. We don't, we don't just do whatever the pastor says. I'm thankful that people ask questions and we talk through things and, and things like that. But I know in in my now ten years of pastoring that I've had, I've had to have some conversations individually with church people as well as congregationally with the church. That I was scared to death to have. You know what, if we see a need, in order to take the lead, we have to start with God. And then let God give us the wisdom and the guidance on the action that we have to take. Don't ask God for help if you're not willing to do what God tells you to do. It'll be very discouraging for you. Don't ask God for help and if you're not willing to do the work necessary to make the difference. Because God wants to use you. He doesn't need you. He desires you. He wants to use you to bring revival to our church, to our community, to our state, to our country. God wants to use you. You look through all throughout Scripture and see the people that God used. None of them were perfect. Many of them, you'd probably look at and go, they were worse than me. Yet God used them. And they probably weren't worse than you. Pray. Seek God's help. Nehemiah saw a need. He was concerned about it. He was compassionate about it. And then he was willing to take the lead. God, I will do it. But I need your help. We obviously have a need in our country today. The question is, are you willing to do what God wants you to do to make the difference? And if you are, don't do it on your own. Let God help you. Lord, I pray for your help. We need it in our country, we need it in our community, we need it in our church, we need it in our families. God, I pray that you would help us to not only see the need, but God, that we would take the lead, take the action necessary. God, help us to be ever dependent on you as we do so. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand, please. Is there a need that you have seen but you've been unwilling to take the lead on? God spoken to you about that this morning. Would you just take a moment to pray? You can pray at your seat. You can come to the front if you'd like to. Say, God, I, I do see this need. Help me to actually be concerned about it. Lord, help me to show compassion towards it. God, help me to take the lead in this situation. But God, I need your help to do it. This morning, would you ask for God's help? Maybe you can say, I know there's a need, but I really haven't even seen it enough to be concerned about it. You say, God, I know I should be concerned about it. Lord, would you help me in that area? If there's any area that God's spoken to you about today, would you take just a moment at your seat or at the front, pray about it before we close the service today.